Welcome to In the World, hosted by me, Rick Robinson, and sponsored by Billups. This podcast is an investigation and discovery into the role and responsibility of brands as they occupy public space. Today I'm talking to somebody I've really been looking forward to speaking with. His name is Brian Eck, and he's the acting long-range planning manager at the City of West Hollywood. And just for reference, the City of West Hollywood is the jurisdiction over the Sunset Strip, which is famous for all kinds of amazing out-of-home media, big walls and bulletins and so on, the home of rock and roll and so many other things culturally. And what we're going to talk about today is how out-of-home media, and in particular digital out-of-home, is impacting the urban landscape and changing the relationship between cities and people, especially on places like the Sunset Strip. So welcome, Brian. We're glad to have you here. Yeah, thanks, Rick. Happy to be here. Let's ask the first question, which is this project that a lot of our listeners in the out-of-home world have, have heard about, the Sunset Boulevard Arts and Advertising Program. Can, can you describe that for us? What, what is that program? Sure. So I, I think in simple terms, it is the city of West Hollywood's program that guides and regulates all existing and future offsite advertising signage, both digital and static, on the famous Sunset Strip. But beyond that, it's the program that generates the policy and vision for the relationship of advertising signage on Sunset. It uh, creates the specific regulations that projects must abide by the existing that want to um, modify their uh, design, location, orientation, and then future projects that that hope to be constructed in the city. Um, it also sets up the process by which proposals are screened and selected. Uh, additionally, it's the program that deals with the coordination of associated elements, namely the digital arts programming, architectural design of the sign, the site, the building, and then the specific delivery of public benefits. Wow, that's a handful. Is that is that all all you? Is that all under you? At, at the moment, that is all me. I am I am the the sole dedicated employee to to the program. I mean, we get lots of help from um, you know the city's architectural and uh, urban design team, from the uh, building and safety team, from the arts the arts team. So it's not just you know not just me doing all these things, but um, I do manage the program on a day to day. Sure. And then I understand that you also had an outside design review committee. Yeah. So we selected seven outside experts that represent the range of desired outcomes for the programs to help us vet the first round of projects for this program. So we had architects on the program, uh, on the panel. We had uh, advertising experts. We had sign technology experts, historic research experts, and then um all these folks really had a, a long-standing relationship with the city of West Hollywood as well. And so I should, full disclosure, I feel a little sheepish now because I know I, we should reveal that I was one of those folks on that committee. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I don't want to be misleading. Now, it's, as far as I know, and, and I've been in the out-of-home business my whole life, th this is a first-ever situation. Do you know of any other city that's done this to this degree? Uh, not of this scope and scale. Not that I'm aware of. And so with that, I, and I know our listeners would love to know this. Like, what, what was the inspiration? Like, what drove the city of West Hollywood 
to endeavor in this Sunset Boulevard arts and advertising program? Yeah, first off, it's just, it was the city's embrace of the elements of the Sunset Strip that have long characterized the place. Um, mm -hmm. You know, the there's a legacy of large creative, um, you know, large format offsite advertising signs that have characterized the Sunset Strip probably for as long as, you know, there's been pavement on the strip or cars have traversed that stretch of road. And, um, you know, while some cities, you know, learn to live with their signage or, you know, uh, in some cases ban it altogether, the city of West Hollywood for a long time has really embraced that legacy. Everyone knows the Sunset Strip and billboards kind of go together hand in hand. Um, what, what is it about that legacy between the Sunset Strip and big, large-scale out-of-home media that, um, that just endures? Yeah, there's always been that interplay between, you know, what the, the place is and what the advertising content and um, expression has been. So whether that's the rock and roll billboards, famously from the 60s and 70s, and the culture that was associated with that. Um, you think of that era, that's when you had to play at the Whiskey A Go-Go, um, but you mm -hmm. also had to take a picture with your billboard uh, that had the album release as part of it. Um, so what this is trying to do is capture the spirit of that, where there was that interaction, that interplay between really creative content and like a dynamic cultural place. And then at the same time, we've, we've seen the rise of digital sign technology, where we feel it's at the point that it really would allow some really creative, interesting designs and operations that are right for the strip at this moment in time. And, and then all other types of applications, because what's interesting here is not only that West Hollywood em embraced this program, which is one of a kind and comes from a, a legacy of inspiration, but what's interesting here is this unique mix of out-of-home advertising, architecture, and art, and public benefit, and all of these things coming together uh, as part of this project. Can you speak about some of these components and how they led to the success of this project today? At a fundamental level, um, those elements are all essential and all integrated. And it's the degree to which the city has made the demands that those elements are seamless, integrated, and delivered as part of a single cohesive design and operation that, that really makes it successful and impactful. Um, so what, what I mean by this is, regardless of the content that goes on the sign, the architecture of the sign should stand on its own merits of design mm -hmm. uh, and more ideally be seamless with the building, um, uh, seamless with the building, seamless with the, the site that it's on. Um, none of those elements should be tacked on or are tacked on and none necessarily subservient to the others. So when you think of a traditional billboard, you know, it doesn't always have a relationship with the site or the architecture and can block or obscure the building on a site. Uh, we're asking of the program, can it be a different way? Can it be fully integrated with that building? So it's seamless. Um, you know, I think we have, as a city, experimented with this for a long time. And when you think of the tall wall signs, it almost takes that to an extreme. Um, and it's meant to address this, but with those, the whole building disappears and it really just becomes a sign. And um, we want all those things sign, site, and architecture to be of equal weight. Um, and then on top of that, we'll have an arts program uh, that really will be something spectacular. Um, and uh, there will be a large amount of time dedicated to curated arts programming on each and one of the, each and every one of the signs. 
I think what you're speaking to are, are a couple things. One of them broadly is this harmony of place, shape, motion, context, content, and bringing that all together. So it looks like it belongs. Mm-hmm. And that's very ambitious. Absolutely. I think those individual elements should also inspire the the other components of it, meaning the, the architecture and the format should inspire custom advertising. Um, and the dynamic advertising should inspire really creative integration of responsive architectural features to that. And then, you know, at the same time, art can be responsive to all of that too. And I think... Um, I really see those those elements and components of being a virtual cycle where, you know, our architects and our signage people and the advertising world all look to each other to learn um, their their media, their expression in a way that's that's really powerful. And maybe a place hasn't done just quite yet like this. I don't think a place has. They, they Certainly commerce, architecture, art, they, they tend to stand in their own silos, although it's very arguable that they all work from the same toolkit in many ways in terms of, you know, the means of expression, color, shape, motion, harmony, all those types of things. You talked about how one component could inspire the other. So the architecture could inspire the art content that's on the digital sign or the art content could inspire the advertising. Talk about that a little more. Sure. So, um, you know, we demand as part of the design principles that do the vetting of the project that um, the sign or the building or them together is responsive to the the curvature of the street or the unique configuration of a lot. And um, that can and has uh, expressed itself in in non-traditional formats of some of the the signs um so not everything is a traditional 14 by 40 at rectangle like we're seeing things that are you know um three-dimensional or oblong or vertically or curved and you know just granted and given that fact um you know we hope that uh advertisers will rise to the occasion and create custom content that is inspired by the building and and uh responds to those unique shapes and formats. And I think maybe they'll see some things in that architecture that just um, you wouldn't necessarily experience in it when looking at a rectangle and formatting your advertisement in that way. And so what's going to happen here is that the brands are going to get put to task, aren't they? That's the hope. That's the hope. <laughs> and, <laughs> and you know, the requirement for living in these spaces on the Sunset Strip and, and really the privilege of a brand to be into these unique, one-of-a-kind digital out-of-home locations, the requirement there is going to be to deliver something that works only in that context, right? That is designed specifically for that moment, for specifically for that intersection. That's correct, yeah. Now, what's this call going to mean for the public? Oh, great question. Uh, so I would say at a macro level, this program is both an economic development tool and a placemaking tool for the city of West Hollywood and for the Sunset Strip, um, both by generating investment in the public and the private realms. So the reason why I say it's a placemaking tool is, one, it will demand and generate great architecture. Um, We'll have an arts program that is dedicated on each one of the signs. Uh, So each each sign will contribute 17.5% 
of its operational time for arts content and civic programming that is controlled and curated by the city of West Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Each of the projects um, is required to either through financial contribution or through uh, direct construction, create improvements to the streets, sidewalks, or public spaces on the lot or adjoining it uh, where there's the project. And then from the economic development piece, um, generally speaking, projects are reserved for sites that include either brand new ground up construction. So it's, it's, it's working to generate new investment on the strip or uh, it's reserved for uh, existing buildings that either go through required seismic retrofits, uh, upgrade their buildings to major facade remodels. So it'll breathe n- new life into the existing buildings. And then there's a set aside for uh, existing designated historic resources. So it'll help preserve some historic structures on the Sunset Strip. So this is this is extremely integrated, right? I mean, this really touches everything from revenue generation for the city you know, the, the beautification with public art, um, the opportunity for new architecture, new public spaces for people to gather, uh, really on all levels. This is totally unprecedented. Wow, is, is what I have to say here. And I think the rest of our listeners out there in the out-of-home world will feel the same way. You know, I want to ask you a question. The requirements here are are significant. Right there's a an onus on the out of home suppliers who uh, submitted and were selected so far to really invest quite a lot and to give up a lot of space. Was this something that was was there a rub on that? I mean, seventeen point five percent of the space plus revenue sharing plus public space plus plus plus. I think that's more than it's ever happened anywhere else. Was there pushback? And if so, how did you handle that? The project itself has really been a good collaboration between media companies in the city of West Hollywood, as well as architects and historic resource uh, experts. And, you know, a lot of this has been developed through um, study, negotiation, best practice. Um, Yeah, there's been some pushback on some of these things. Um, I think, you know, initially, and some of our previous agreements, uh, as they relate to arts programming have been higher percentages I think in the range of 25% or higher Mm -hmm. and, you know, recognizing that we wanted things beyond just the arts programming, uh, the city council of West Hollywood did lower that requirement to 17 and a half percent. But we know as a city, and I know the media companies understand this too, is that we're creating a ton of value with this program and the requirements for these public benefits aren't just disassociated with the value that's added to the projects. Um, You know, by investing in the public realm, by generating activity and economic on the Sunset Strip, by having these art installations that that, um, we hope to be truly world-class, we know that we'll bring quality eyeballs to these signs. So it's not just a a one-way, the city getting money, just getting a cut of things. No, this, it really is a partnership and it's the city um, creating a, a virtuous cycle of, of um, you know, capturing, creating value, capturing it, and reinvesting it into the Sunset Strip, which hopefully comes back to the media companies in the form of really higher revenues. One thing's for sure, these are going to be rare because there's about 100 billboard faces, walls, bulletins, et cetera, on the Sunset Strip. 
and we're looking at maybe 20 of these getting converted, at least at the moment. So, you know, in the whole world, there's 20 of these available in the next few years. So it's, it's a rare and unique classification. And, you know, if everything proceeds as planned, which it looks like it will, the, I think the value, the intrinsic value and the unique value is going to be off the charts. It's got to be. Um, you know, when you look at the history of the Sunset Strip, this goes all the way back to, you know, being an unincorporated sort of almost lawless section of, uh, you know, the L.A. Basin in between the city of Los Angeles and, uh, and Beverly Hills. And there's a long and storied history. How does, how does this effort, how does the arts and advertising program represent a new era? So this is a tougher one for me to answer. I mean, I think in some respect it represents the digital area. If we think about, you know, the main uh, delivery of advertising, you know, I think we've had the, the traditional billboard era and then we might now be in the tall wall area, but I think digital will really define it. Um, I think we're also going to be in the art era where art is front and fore. And it's, it's something that will draw people and you will seek out the art. Um, if all goes well and, and is as planned and we curate it correctly and really leverage the assets of having 20, 30 digital boards that are this, this unique linear experience, um, which uh, you could call it the curated era. <laughs> I think the city, the city's <laughs> taking a more active role in in the curation of of all manner of things. It's not just a you know let it go and hope for the best. You know, it's it's working with partners to to come to those um, mutually agreed upon points that work in the best interest of the city, its residents, the businesses, the advertisers. Hopefully it's an interactive era where, um, you know, there's some, some way that people can interact with the, uh, the, you know, the advertising content in a way that just hasn't happened before. And hopefully it's an era that's more pedestrian focused and, and not as car centric that the way that the strip has always been. Um, I hope it's an era where there is art festival and, and reasons to gather and be on the sunset strip um, and not just drive through. Um, and so that's that's a large reason for the placemaking and the investment in the public realm and mm-hmm. and the arts curation too. I think that can really be the city's niche is is a digital art um, museum festival display that you just can't get um, anywhere else. Well, it, I think it reflects the history of sunset always always a little bit ahead of everything else, right? If you look back through the days, it was. If you go back in history, it was a place where, uh, you know, there was always the front edge of music. Mm-hmm. There was always the front edge of entertainment, the front edge of fashion. And the advertising reflected that in many ways. And then in the out of home world, the walls hit in the late '90s, and that redefined it. And then all of a sudden, walls happened in major ways all over the United States. Now you're calling it. The digital era, the art era, the uh, integration era, the interactive era, and the uh, um, pedestrian era. So it, it's got something to do with just the emergence, I think, of the creative class in our culture, doesn't it? Yeah, I think there's something to be said about that. And that, I, I think it reflects um, some of the major players who are up on the strip now. Um, you know, it, it, it is not 
we still have the rock and roll venues and they're still an essential part of it. But, you know, by and large, social clubs, really high end hotels, fancy restaurants have really stepped up and been been the driving force of the strip, I would say, over the past decade. Sure. And then everything that comes with that fashion, uh, you know, some of the high end uh, residential, the brand new architecture. And it, and it sort of resets the strip as the place for here and now. We've talked about the idea of the arts and advertising program, the inspiration, the mix of out-of-home architecture, art, all of it. The huge public benefit here, the, the complete shift of, of the relationship between the people and cities and advertising and art and digital out-of-home and, and all of that, and, and the new area it represents on the Sunset Strip. So let's let's have some fun here and try to describe some of these. I'd like to talk about three of these projects distinctly. There's one called the Invisible Frame. Can you share with our listeners what that project means? What does it mean, the Invisible Frame, and how does it work? Sure. So this is a project from the architecture firm Office Entitled, uh, with Netflix as the media company. And um, in all respects, it's a pretty traditional billboard. It's rectangular oriented. It's about a fourteen by forty eight display, but it uses rear mounted cameras um, along with LEDs on the pole structure and can capture ambient sky conditions to create the appearance of visibility uh, on the, you know, the entirety of the bulletin as well as the frame itself. Um, So it can really allow some interesting programming uh, and essentially allow the sign to disappear or allow the content to uh, be imposed on top of what is the perceived ambient condition behind the billboard. So it captures sky or the, the hills that are behind it. Um, and it sits atop a really interesting 1920s Georgian revival building at the, the corner of Sunset and Shearborn. And I know it was a reflection of the team that wanted to be really mindful of a historic structural and gracefully set back. And so they said, what's the most sensitive treatment we can, we can provide for a historic building it's just to disappear to float on top of it and so this one's really creative in that respect and so if i'm driving down the street and i look at this essentially if there's no advertising content at any given moment i could look right through it that, yeah you hit the right angle um you know and you might not notice that it's there and this was all done as a result of trying to what you noted was and i want to understand this is respecting the current architecture and instead of you know plopping a big billboard on top of it, it was trying to to not make the building disappear. Is that a good way to phrase it? Sure, yeah. So they 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 said the most respectful thing is to have have the sign do the disappearing rather than obscure the building or compete with the building. Um, it, it's a really, you know, it, it really is one of the gem buildings of the strip. And so they're doing a really elegant job of respecting that historic character and that building goes back to the 20s i think you said yeah it's either 20s or 30s i don't have it in front of me but yeah sure sure so now i've seen these invisible installations you know a video wall that has a camera behind it that you know shows you the space behind it so it, it disappears but i don't know that there's ever been a permanent installation as an ongoing billboard that has commercial messaging as the primary revenue stream for it. So this is this is really one of a kind. Yeah, they claim it's the first of its kind. And I certainly haven't seen anything uh, like it in a permanent sense. 
Does that become another icon on the strip, like the Roxy or the uh, Whiskey A Go Go or the old Playboy building, even even though it's not called that anymore? I think people might turn out to to really be awed by the 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 experience of the the invisible board. Right, meet me under the invisible billboard. <laughs> right, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Now the next project, it's called. It has a funny name, um, Mutato Musica. Talk to us about that one. So Mutato Musica is Devo co-founder Mark Brothersbaugh Music Production Company and building of the same name. And what is just as noteworthy as the tenant of this building is the design of the building. It's this very low, very round, very mid-century, and very, very green, I could best describe it as electric lime green building. And it's right across the street from where the invisible frame is. Um, the building itself was built in the mid sixties um, for a noteworthy plastic surgeon and author, I will add. Um, and lore has it that Oscar Niemeyer, the, the famous Brazilian architect designed the building. While the historic records don't confirm this, I also haven't been able to find anything to the contrary. And that's the lore of the building is that it's the only uh, commercial Niemeyer Niemeyer building in the U.S., but that's that's up for dispute, and I've heard multiple accounts of that. Um, however, uh, the signage itself is on top of this green circular UFO building. The digital signage is these concentric offset rings on the top of the building that really respond to that circular shape mm -hmm. of, of of this this round green building. Um, and the building itself also being retrofitted with new architectural lighting, with sound installation, um, to really make the whole thing come alive. It's really fascinating because the building itself looks like one level of a cake, right? <laughs> yes. It's like, uh, you know, a pie, maybe. It's one, one story. It's like if you took one floor out of the Capitol Records building. Exactly. And, yes. and put it on the ground. That's the building. And then... The digital signage on top of it, are it's almost like the concentric circle, sort of like the rings of Saturn, maybe. Yeah, and they're just somewhat offset to make it a little interesting, somewhat transparent. Um, but, man, it, it, it really, it takes this building that, you know, based on the description, might sound like it's the most prominent building on the Strip. But it really is, because it's offset, um, hidden behind some larger office towers, it kind of gets lost on the Strip. But this really amplifies a really funky building in the best way. You know, and it keeps that architecture on the strip too, because that building could get torn down at some point without evolving. Oh, absolutely. The development potential on that site is huge. And um, it, it's great to see some reinvestment or uh, the ability to, to keep a really, you know, important uh, character defining building uh, remaining on the strip. And this might be over the top, but I could say that the digital out of home installation is really part about part of preserving this building and keeping it there for the next generation to enjoy like we all have over the last few decades. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So we've got the invisible frame. We've got Mutato Musica, two very different one of a kind installations, two very different challenges for any brand or creative director in terms of how you'll execute and I would imagine there isn't an art director on the planet that wouldn't love to get a hold of these and have the chance to, you know, see their messaging come to life in these kind of installations. 
Now, the next one is completely different. It's called the Urban Theater. And this one really leans into the public benefit piece, completely redefines the street corner. Can you try and describe that one for our listeners? So this is the design by Patterns, the architecture firm with Pop Outdoor Media as the, the media company. Uh, the current site, it's a single-story bank branch uh, across the street from the, the iconic Tower Records site. So what the project would do is add a terraced outdoor landscape public space on the roof of a redesigned building uh, with a design that's really reminiscent of the High Lines traffic theater space. For mm-hmm. those who are familiar with that, sort of this meandering path that 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 you start up high and kind of work your way down to the street, uh, the street face, but still about a, a two stories up down to a single story. Um, the building itself being reprogrammed with active restaurant cafe uses, um, which will tie in nicely with that public space. But it really is all about that public space on the roof, and the seating's all oriented towards sunset. And because of the curve of the street really creates this amazing vantage to all the other advertising assets that are on, uh, adjacent to the parcel, whether that's the, the city's uh, pilot billboard, the Sunset Spectacular, you'll actually be able to see the invisible frame. You, if you peek down the street, you'll be able to see Mutato Musica. And the digital array on this one actually is this ribbon that wraps around the, the, the public space itself. Um, it's this, this media ribbon wall that includes a really nice interplay between natural and digital elements with the green wall, the digital advertising, architectural lighting, uh, mural art elements. But it is this really great integration of that public space, the art components, and then the advertising too. All very prominent, but very harmonious. It's like they're adding a city park, right? Or a parklet, I guess, to the Sunset Strip. Yeah, and this amazing theater to the you know this this new era of the strip and so these are just three examples now how many total have been approved uh at the moment um based on our vetting process we we have granted uh uh, approvals for 21 projects and out of those 21 they all still have some work to do to come to life is there an expectation that all 21 will be realized or will some of them adapt, change, uh, disappear along the way? Yeah. You know, I imagine, um, since they are ultimately up to the the city council of West Hollywood, um, that, you know, some might morph a little, they might adjust to different conditions to the strip, but, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see how it plays out. It's just what I can say. It's a really great batch of really creative and interesting projects. Well, I can definitely concur on that. I think it's breathtaking. This will completely redefine the Sunset Strip. And this will, without a doubt, set an example for every city across the globe on how to harmonize out-of-home media, public space, public benefit, art, wayfinding, architecture, revenue for a city. It's it's really groundbreaking and historic in my view. Um, And, you know, with that, Let's fast forward five years. What what's your vision of the strip? You know, I, I it's it's one that's a more dynamic place, more in, increased activity at the street level with pedestrians flooding the strip. Um, it's a more recognizable destination, both for its storied history and culture, but recognizable for the positive changes that are forthcoming 
with uh, the architecture that's coming, with the signage proposals that are coming. Um, I also hope it's you know a place where we have world-class digital art programming that draws people from around the world. Um, I really do see the potential for this being on par with with other digital festivals that happen around the world. Um, you know, I recently went to the the light festival in, in Amsterdam and that they do in the winter. And I think the strip can do something along those lines. And, you know, five years seems like a, a good target for that. Um, and I also hope it's the premier advertising location. Um, if not the U S then, you know, among those around the world. Yeah. A place for brands to strut their stuff. No doubt. I mean, you're certainly providing an unprecedented historic canvas that brands have not had access to ever before. Uh, Brian, I want to thank you for your time and your candid conversation and answers to our questions. I think everybody here is thrilled about what's happening next on the Sunset Strip. So once again, thanks for your time. Thanks. This has been fun. All right. And out there, everybody, keep your head up and eyes open in the world. Thanks for joining us for this episode of In the World. You can find out more about Billups at billups.com or on social at Billups. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen.